Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. It's sort of like a Bible Crossfire. We talk about the Bible. You can get into the Crossfire by asking a question. Or perhaps you disagree with something that's said on the program. We, As long as we can all be kind and loving about it, we don't mind you disagreeing. We just ask that you understand that the Bible is going to be the authority. It's not going to be what we think. It's not going to be the what society says. Uh, it's going to be the Scriptures. If something is a, a departure from Scripture, that makes it wrong. And so we're going to let the Scriptures decide the answer to any question. Uh, it's not the way we would want it to be necessarily. That's wishful thinking. It's whatever God says. He's our authority. By extension, His Word then is our authority. And we need to submit to what He says regardless of what we think. You know, it really does matter what we believe and what we teach. A lot of people seem to say, well, as long as you believe in Jesus, it doesn't really matter what you believe and teach. Uh, doesn't matter what church you go to. Doesn't matter what you think or say about this particular issue or that particular issue in the Bible. But if we really believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that means we believe He's the authority. So we're going to submit to His teaching. So it's not enough just to believe in Christ. We have to believe in and obey the teaching of Christ. So it does matter what we believe and teach. By the way, the lines are wide open. If you have a Bible question or comment, call us at 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. You know, down here in Alabama, if you live here, you pretty much got to decide who you're going to pull for, Alabama and Auburn, or Auburn in college football. Does it make any difference who you pull for to God? No. It doesn't make any difference. God doesn't care who we pull for, Alabama or Auburn. How do we know that? Isn't it because God doesn't tell us who to pull for? I mean, if God said, thou shalt pull for Auburn, we'd have to pull for Auburn. We don't have to. God doesn't tell us who to pull for. It's all just for fun. But here's the other side of that coin. If God does tell us something, then it does matter to him. And we don't have the right to say, well, I know that God said that, but I don't think it's important. I don't think it matters. I don't think God cares. No, if he doesn't tell us who to pull for, Alabama or Auburn, that means it doesn't matter to him. But if he does tell us something, we have to follow it. I mean, think about this. If your dad, I'm a son, I was a son when I was a teenager. If my, say I was a teenager and uh, during the summer, I wasn't in school. My dad goes to work said, Pat, I want you to cut the grass while I'm gone. So he comes back in the evening said, Pat, why didn't you cut the grass? I said, well, Daddy, I know you told me to cut the grass, but I didn't think it really mattered if I cut the grass. How do you think that would have gone over with my dad? <laughs> Not too well, right? Because he was my authority figure. God is the ultimate authority. If he says this, do this, or this is why we do this, do it this way, we don't have the right to say it. It doesn't matter. He's our authority. Let's look at some passages that show that. First, let's start with Matthew chapter 15, verse 9. In Matthew 15, verse 9, probably talking about the Pharisees, Jesus says, In vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Now, instead of teaching the commandments of men, we ought to teach the commandments of who? God, right? Well, this says, oh, if we teach the commandments of men instead of the commandments of God, our worship is in vain meaning useless or worthless. One of the reasons we worship God is so we can go to heaven, live with Him forever. 
if our worship is not accomplishing the intended purpose, we're not going to be saved. See the point? If we're teaching the commandments of men instead of the commandments of God, our worship will be in vain. We can't go to heaven like that. So does Matthew 15, verse 9, teach that God cares what we believe and what we teach? That it matters what we teach? Of course it matters. Our soul's destiny, our soul's destiny depends on it. We teach something. Well, how would you tell something that's a commandment of God or commandment of men? Obviously, it's in the Bible. It's from God. That means if it's not in the Bible, it didn't come from God, it must have come from men. So if somebody's teaching something that's not in the Bible, not from the Bible, not equal to what the Bible says, it's a commandment of men. Worship is in vain, useless or worthless. You can't go to heaven that way. This verse teach that it teaches that it matters what we teach. It's not enough just to believe in Jesus only. You have to teach the truth. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or a comment. Same chapter, Matthew 15, verse 14. Jesus said, Let them alone, they be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. You know, Jesus teaches by analogy all the time. I mean, that's really what parables are. They're analogies. A comparison is being made. Here Jesus is making an analogy. You have a blind man. If you have two blind men walking through the pasture and they come up on a ditch, what's likely to happen? Well, they're probably going to fall in that ditch. You need one of them to be able to see, to say, let's go around the ditch or let's go over the bridge. Now, in this analogy, the blind leader here in Matthew 15, 14 represents the false religious teacher. The blind follower represents us if we allow that false religious teacher to lead us astray. What does the ditch represent? Represents being lost. The bad place. H-E-L-L, doesn't it? So, this verse is saying, look, if you allow a false teacher to lead you astray, then you're going to be lost like him. I think many people, at least they appear to have the attitude that, well, if my pastor teaches something that's false, he'll be held responsible, but since I'm responsible for following my pastor, then I won't be held responsible if I'm following him because I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Jesus is saying, no, that's not the way it works. If you allow that false teacher to lead you astray, you're going to end up in the same place he is. You're going to be lost. Now think about that. Think about that verse. Does that verse, Matthew 15, 14, teach that it matters what we believe or that it doesn't matter what we believe? Suppose you believe in Jesus, but you allow a false teacher to lead you astray. This verse says you're both going to end up in the ditch being lost. So even though you were a believer in Christ, you weren't going to be saved because you have been led astray by false teaching. It sure does matter what we believe. Now ask yourself this question. How would you guard against being led astray by a false teacher? We see from this verse it's so important that we don't allow ourselves to be led astray by a false teacher. How would you guard against it? If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number again to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. Well, wouldn't you want to check what they say by the Bible to make sure you're not being led astray by a false teacher? Don't we see that exact thing in Acts 17, verse 11? Verse 10 of Acts 17, Paul and Silas are preaching. Verse 11, it says, These were more noble, these being the Bereans, they were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. 
So the Bereans are highly complimented. This is probably the most approved example in the New Testament. They're highly complimented because they didn't just accept what Paul said blindly. And Paul was probably the biggest name preacher of that time. They didn't just accept what he said blindly. Instead, they searched the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was so. We need to emulate that. That's how we guard ourselves against by being led astray by a false teacher. We search the scriptures to see if what they're saying is so. Do it with me. Do it with this program. You check what Pat says. See if he's proven it by the Bible. If he's not, if he's not proven it by the Bible, then just let it go through one ear and out the other. Don't pay attention to it. Same way if you, when you're at church. If that preacher's not proven what he says by the Bible, don't pay any attention to it. You don't know that it's right unless it comes from God's Word. God's Word is the only thing that can be counted on. It is inerrant without error, but any man can make a mistake. Now, before we go on with this lesson, does it matter what we believe and what we teach and how we live and so forth? I want you to, I want to think about two test cases. We're not going to spend a lot of time on these test cases, these two issues, but just enough time to make sure you understand what I'm getting at with this lesson. First, turn to Romans chapter 6, verse 4, if you can. And I realize many of you are driving, but turn to Romans 6, verse 4, if you can. Talk about baptism. Does it, is sprinkling going to suffice for baptism, or does it have to be immersion? Let's read Romans 6, verse 4. It says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Here this verse says we're buried with him, with Christ in baptism. Now when somebody dies, and we take them out to the graveyard and bury them, does that mean we just sprinkle a little dirt on their head, or does that mean we put them all the way up under the ground? We know what buried means, don't we? Put them all the way up under the ground. So if we're buried with Christ in baptism, would that mean we're, we just sprinkle a little water on them, or we put them all the way up under the water? Well, we know what buried means, don't we? Put them all the way up under the water. Well, but we have a lot of churches, a lot of preachers saying that it's okay to sprinkle. Well, sprinkling for baptism. Think back to Matthew 15, verse 9. Is that a commandment of men or a commandment of God? Well, the Bible teaches immersion for baptism, a burial, Romans 6, verse 4. So sprinkling is obviously didn't come from the Bible, therefore it didn't come from God. Therefore, it's a commandment of men. Therefore, those that practice sprinkling, according to Matthew 15, verse 9, since they're teaching and practicing a commandment of men, their worship is what? In vain. Useless or worthless. You can't go to heaven that way. You see what I'm talking about? That it matters what we believe and teach? I mean, I've, in my day, taught a lot of people that were part of churches that practiced sprinkling. They'd been sprinkled. Almost without fail, every one of them said, Pat, you're right. In the Bible, baptism is immersion. How did they justify the fact that sprinkling then, if they understood that the Bible taught immersion? Almost every one of them said, I know, Pat, the Bible teaches baptism is immersion, but I don't think it really matters to God. I don't think it, it, God cares which way we do it. That's what this lesson is all about. We're trying to show God doesn't care who we pull for, Alabama or Auburn. He doesn't tell us who to pull for, but he does tell us how to baptize somebody. He says it got, it's a burial, so it does matter to him. We don't have the right to say God said immersion, burial, but we don't think it matters to him. It does matter. It's a commandment of men. And those who believe and teach and practice the commandments of men, the worship is in vain. They can't go to heaven that way. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call, 877 655
6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. David from Mississippi, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, sir. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8, uh, qualifications for elders and deacons are mentioned. And uh, the elders are not to be given to no wine, and the deacons are not to be given to much wine. Uh, a lot of people use 1 Timothy 3.8 as a crutch to justify moderate drinking or social drinking. What is your thoughts on that? You know, I don't think it would justify that. I mean, th there's another uh, qualification that says they're not to be greedy of filthy lucre. That's in 1 Timothy 3, verse 3. Yeah. Does that mean they're, it's okay to be gre greedy of lucre just as long as it's not filthy? Uh, so no, I really sir, don't think not. I don't really don't think not be given to much wine would indicate that it's okay to drink a little bit of wine. Okay? Right. Now you'd have to go to other passages to try to prove that. The the it just means they can't be given to much wine. You follow me? Yes, sir. What what's your take on that thing? I'd be interested to hear what you've got to say, David. Well, I think it's uh, Ecclesiastes Seven where it says uh, not to be given to excessive rioting or, or something of that nature. Would it be okay just to participate in a little rioting? Yeah, that's 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 kind of the same point I was making with not being greedy of filthy lucre. You're making a good point there. Is yeah, it, yeah. And also, uh, I think it's Ephesians five eighteen where it says, "Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit." I think that Greek word. Drunk is methusko, which means to, to start to soften. In other words, don't even start the process of getting drunk. You know, the only way to guarantee you're never... We're agreed the Bible clearly says it's, it's a sin to get drunk, right? Right. The only way to guarantee you're never going to get drunk is never to take the first sip. Absolutely. Once, You're absolutely once you correct. take that first little drink, even though you think, well, this is not going to affect me, eventually you're going to take the second drink. Well, did that affect you? Well, eventually you're going to take the third drink. It may not be that first time, but eventually you will. And that's what we, Carol, my wife and I taught our kids. Don't ever take the first drink. That's the only way to guarantee you'll never get drunk. Don't, you know, that's cigarettes... You know, are so addictive. Nicotine is supposed to be the most addictive drug out there. The only way right. to guarantee you're never going to get addicted to nicotine is never to take the first puff. And and I run into people all the time that smoke. Not a single one of them is glad they're smoking. They all wish they could quit, but the nicotine yeah. has got them so addicted they can't. They just can't do it. Don't take your first smoke. Is what I tell young people. That's the only way to guarantee you'll never get addicted. Same way with alcohol. Don't take that first drink. You, you know, if you never take the first drink, you'll never miss it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think alcohol is an acquired taste. Of, uh, anyone who takes that very first drink, whether he's a teenager, he is not going to say, oh, that tastes so good. It's an acquired yeah. taste. It's, it's something you've got to acquire and like. And, you know, your buddies, your friends, your your uh uh, the peer pressure, you know, puts a pressure on you to, you know, you know, drink this one beer, and then before you know it, the person is on his way to being an alcoholic just by taking that very first drink. 
you know, I was when I, I played high school baseball, and every back that was I graduated high school in '79. Every single player in that dugout was chewing tobacco like Big Red. Know what I'm talking about, yeah. right, David? Yes, sir. That was just yes, the sir. thing you did if you played high school baseball back then, and and I never yeah. did it. I, my dad taught me. He was an athletic kind of person. Don't do any of these vices, you know, moral reasons, and yeah. it'll hurt you athletically. But I never did it. But they always told me the first time you chew on that Big Red, you're going to get sick. <laughs> yeah. I said, well, why do I want to do Absolutely. it the first time then? And that's what you're saying. The first time, it's not going to be good. So just you have it's an acquired taste. I, I I feel sure that's correct. Don't do it the first time. Yeah. Just don't get involved well, with any of these vices, and then it's then you won't have all this trouble. It's the same way with any drug, illegal drugs, for example. If you just yeah. never do it the first time, once you get into it and get addicted to it, then it's really hard to break that addiction. Don't even don't even go there. Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, I think it, Peter said in First Peter 5, 8, be sober, be belligerent, because of the devil your adversary walked about seeking him. He may devour, but you notice the word he says, be sober. That means totally free of any kind of intoxicants. David, I appreciate that good call. Whereabouts you live in Mississippi? I, I'm in uh, near Huntsville in North Alabama. Okay, I'm in Olive Branch right outside Memphis. I've been through Memphis a number of times. It's about four hours from here up Highway 72. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate well, your call, appreciate David. Thank you taking my call. Yes, sir. All right. Have, have, a good have a good evening. Okay. If you have a Bible question or If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call. 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. Any Bible question or comment, we're open. We enjoy talking about the Bible and discussing it. And even if we possibly disagree, that's not ideal, but if we disagree, we're still going to be willing to do that because the Bible says, uh, if you continue in my word, John eight thirty one, then are you my disciples indeed. So we're only a true disciple if we continue in Jesus' word. He says, and, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So only the truth is going to make us free from sin, not false religious teaching. So we want to discuss it. If you can point out to me somewhere where I'm in error, then I'm going to change and agree with God and follow the Bible if I need to. That You're going to be my best friend if you show me where I'm wrong in something that I've been believing or teaching because you can help me become a better Christian. Save me, perhaps, from being lost because of my false teaching. You know, if the blind leave the blind, both shall fall in the ditch. Another test case I would like to talk about is the issue of women preachers. Women preachers, 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35 says, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. You know, that passage is pretty clear in it. It's not ambiguous on this issue. I'm not talking about can women lead a ladies' Bible class at the house. That's good. But can a woman preach the sermon in the pulpit, in the church service. And this is clear. Let your women keep silence. It's not permitted unto them to speak. It's a shame for women to speak in the church. So very clear, yet about 75% of congregations across America and Canada allow women to preach a sermon from the pulpit in the church service. Well, allowing women to preach from the pulpit, is that a commandment of men? Or commandment of God. Well, it's obviously against what God says. It's not from God. It must be from men. What did Matthew 15, verse 9 say? 
We teach the commandments of men. Our worship is in vain. So the churches that are allowing women to preach the sermon in the pulpit, they're practicing a commandment of men. Therefore, their worship is in vain. And you certainly can't go to heaven that way. I would say then that we're learning definitively that it matters what we believe and what we teach and what we practice in religion, aren't we? Willie from Mississippi, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, yeah, I'd like to comment on the wine drinking you was just talking about. Uh, almost every man of God in the Bible drink wine. Uh, I was raised up under, well, first of all, you doing exactly what you said you was going to, you know, try to prevent people from doing, twisting the Scripture. And I've listened to preachers like you all my life preaching about, you know, drinking and drunkards going to hell. But when it says not given to much wine, that's exactly what it means. Uh, I can give you scripture, you know, in Titus it says, let the aged women not be given to much wine. And Deuteronomy 14, chapter uh, the 26th verse, it says, and thou shalt bestow that money for whatsoever thy soul lusteth after, for ox, or for sheep, or for wine, or for strong drink, or for whatsoever thy soul desireth, and thou shalt eat there before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice, and thou shalt thou and thine household. And then it said, John the Baptist came neither eating or drinking, and they said, Behold, he's got a demon said Jesus came both eating and drinking, and they said, Behold, a glutton and a wine-bibber. And so, you know, you don't have any authority whatsoever to tell people they can't drink wine. And when you do, you're just stepping out there on a limb on your own. But And I could get, go on and on and on. Uh, you, you know, Noah, after he, you know, he done spent 100 years building a boat, and after 600 years of age, he made wine and he got drunk with it. So I don't, I don't figure, you know, all these modern day preachers is trying to tell everybody they can't even take a taste of wine. I thank God give it to us. It says you in Proverbs give wine to him whose life is bitter, and strong drink to him is perishing. So I mean, you know, and you know, if you know the Bible like you say you do, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I just wanted to. Come in there with that comment, you know, and that's really about all I want to say. Wiley? Uh-huh? I'm going to have to agree with you to some extent. I did not. I was just saying, I don't think the passage is yeah, first Yeah, but that's Timothy. the way you was going to leave it that way, and that's not of God to do that. That's, that's falsehood. Okay, thank you for your correction. Uh, first okay. Timothy 3, I don't, I don't think, authorizes us does not authorize drinking wine. But the passage that was quoted in Deuteronomy fourteen twenty six. let me read it again while he quoted, Thou shalt bestow thy money for whatsoever thy soul lusteth after, for oxen and for sheep or for wine or for strong drink or for whatsoever thy soul desireth. And thou shalt eat there before the Lord thy God and thou shalt rejoice thou and thy household. Okay? So I think uh, while he gave us a lot of passages that we're talking about like Noah, people getting drunk, and that's clearly condemned by 1 Corinthians 6. Many passages in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10, a drunkard 
is, is one of the list of sins there in verse 9 and 10 of somebody who's not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So what's wrong is getting drunk. So let's say, ooh, I'm running out of time. If a person uh, uh, drinks wine according to Deuteronomy 14.26, for example, in the Lord's Supper, if the wine was fermented, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I wouldn't have a problem with doing it based upon Proverbs 31, verse 6, Deuteronomy 14, 26. Uh, so I'm not I'm saying getting drunk is wrong. And that's what we're talking about. And I say taking that first sip, that's the best way to guarantee that you never get drunk. And getting drunk is the thing the Bible condemns. Look, if you'd like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study, give me a call or text me at 256-682-9753. A free one-hour phone Bible study with me. 256-682-9753. Call or text me to arrange that. Be sure and listen next week at this same time. We'll try to continue our discussion of does it matter what we believe, what we teach, how we live, how we worship, where we go to church.